Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebner, and my guest today is the 2016 Breakout Instructor Award winner on Udemy, Maximilian Schwartzmuller. In his first year on Udemy, he's produced eight courses with over 33,000 student enrollments. We'll learn how he's done it coming up. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. The one thing you can do for me is leave a review for the show, which helps us expand to an even larger audience. Thanks, and let's get straight to the interview. Hey, everyone. Welcome, Maximilian. You are coming live all the way from Berlin. Thank you for being on the Online Course Masters show. And for everyone who doesn't know about you, can you give us a little bit more about your background? Sure. Thank you for having me, Paul. Um, yeah, what's my background? I, I'm a Udemy instructor, I guess. I started there a year ago. It was a pretty successful year. Happy. happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a web developer. I work as a web developer. I worked as a freelance web developer before starting on Udemy. Thankful, or thankfully, or thanks to the last year, I'm now in the possible, or I have the possibility of working full time as an instructor. But that is what I did before. But to be precise, before that, I worked in a consultancy in a bank. So I actually didn't learn programming. I didn't study it. I'm a self-taught developer, started at the age of 13. And yeah, that is kind of how I got into that teaching position because I kind of have the background of learning things on my own. So yeah, this is kind of condensed the, the where I come from, the story where I come from. Nice. Well, yeah, it's been an amazing year. For people who don't know, uh, you were actually named one of Udemy's breakout instructors for 2016, which is really exciting. And I think um, just whatever you're doing now, if you keep doing it, you're going to have a lot of success in the few, <laughs> next few years. So there's a lot of people listening who are interested in teaching and interested in creating online courses. And I think you're going to be able to give a lot of great uh, insight into your first year on Udemy. So what types of you, you, uh, I know you teach uh, programming, but what type of courses do you have now? Um, I, I basically focus on front-end development. So I got a couple of courses on various front-end JavaScript frameworks where you can learn how to build reactive, modern uh, front-end applications with Angular, with Vue.js, which then can kind of connect to different backends. Or recently, like last month, I started a course on Ionic 2, which allows you to build your own native apps, so your own iOS or Android apps, uh, with a front-end JavaScript framework, though. So that is really cool because you can build your app with something you know, JavaScript, and then compile it to a native app. And yeah, that's kind of the focus I have, it's giving you or giving students the tools to build awesome applications either in the browser or on native devices, native mo mobile devices. Awesome. Well, it's like you're speaking a completely different language than me. So, <laughs> so, so front, explain this to me. So for, for front end, that means like an application that's online or on like it, web? It's, it's online, but it runs in the browser. So it basically is served by a server one time and then it connects back to the server from time to time to fetch data, exchange some data, but it generally runs in the browser. And that's the cool thing because that really makes it very reactive and kind of independent um, of your internet connection once you have it loaded for, for the first time. God. And that's why those applications are pretty popular these days because they give you a very nice user experience. 
And what what's an example of like one of those applications that's a browser-based application? Can actually see kind of yeah you can see the concept in pretty much any modern web page for example udemy udemy uses angular udemy has such a front-end application which gives you a lot of features running in the browser without having to go back to the server to reload pages so that's a pattern you see on pretty much any popular page these days got it got it very cool so let's um before we get dive into your courses and your creation process and all of that let's fast forward today so you have nine courses now i'm i'm seeing on udemy and you mentioned that you're you have the possibility of doing this full time are you still taking on client work working for someone else or how has udemy and online courses changed your life uh, yeah, it really changed it tremendously. Um, I still do some client work. I, I still have some old projects running. Um, right now, I don't take any new projects simply because I really enjoy creating courses. I enjoy teaching. And yeah, it's I, I kind of managed or had the luck <laughs> of getting enough students last year to really be able to continue doing that and to, yeah, to make a living off that. And that's yeah. what I really enjoy. Nice, nice. Well, one thing I hear and I read online from new instructors now, people sometimes complain that they think, oh, it's Udemy is too competitive now. It's too hard to get into. But I've been hearing that for a few years now. And they were saying that about when I started, they were saying that a year after I started and you just started a year ago. So I think you're proof that even if instructors do start today, they still can be very successful. Um, in terms of your courses, why do you think you've had so much success with uh, your courses? Because I would expect that there were already other courses on the topics that you teach, or were some of your courses the first ones in those categories? Yeah, actually, my my biggest course, the Angular 2 course, was the first bigger mm-hmm. course covering the topic because it's a new technology. It came out like a year ago, and I was the first one covering it extensively and i think this is in general a good strategy to get started on udemy try to pick a topic which doesn't have a thousand courses so if you're doing the next the complete web developer guide or uh, the next ios course that's probably not the course people have been waiting for but there are always a lot of niche topics and a lot of new technologies a lot of updates to existing languages and these are all great starting points to to gather that initial audience which you need Got it. Got it. Well, that's yeah, I guess it's part luck because, you know, you started at with this course that wasn't on Udemy, but also you took the action and you you said, hey, this could possibly be something that other people want to learn. And you did it. And I remember, you know, when the latest iOS came out, there were instructors who like jumped on board and were like, "Okay, I'm going to teach the first course on the latest iOS development. And so I think it's important for people to keep their eye out on what's yeah. what's coming uh, because it seems like for most topics, there's going to be an audience on Udemy or just online looking for that topic. So um, pretty much any topic can can have um, a, a good student base. Um, and especially with programming, you know, there's people using this to better their own careers. So there's going to be more people searching for those kinds of topics as well. Uh, is there anything about your courses, um, just the that you've heard from your students that they really like in terms of how you created or structured your courses? Um, I'm completely new to programming, so 
Also, it may any other advice on like other people wanting to teach programming courses. Um, what what students really liked about my courses is that I always had a very project-driven approach. So I, I always try to have at least one bigger project or multiple smaller projects, but that you really see what you can build with this with, with the things you learn, and not just some yeah boring application which kind of is where it's obvious that, that you didn't put much time into it at all, but really think about it and build something where people think, yeah, that, that really is cool. That is something I can see uh, in the web that is a real application. And that it's super important because that's how I always liked to learn, to, to build something which you can see um, in the internet, which is real. Yeah, that's very, that's true. I, practical projects, even for my classes, which are different, but more photography or design based, those are the courses that do really well um, if people can see that it's they're actually learning skills. I have another question um, just in terms of when you were deciding to create your course, uh, you obviously speak English and German. Uh, what Was your first course in English or had you created a German yeah. version? Uh, no, the first course was actually in English uh, and all my courses are in English except for one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and did you just do that because you thought the English audience was going to be bigger? Yeah, honestly, yes, that was the reason. Nice, and so now you do have a German course, and is that the same course as the Angular 2 English course? It, it pretty much is. I did re-record it completely, so technically it is a new course, but it has the same content, it has the same structure, um, the same concept, so yeah, it's kind of a... German copy of the course, I'd say. Yeah, and how have you seen the demand for that course or just German market in, in general? Are there people, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't want to take English courses and not every German speaks English. So have you seen demand for that topic? Yeah, that there is demand, but if you compare it, it's really not that attractive, to be honest, because it's like the, the English course brings in 20 times as many students who are interested in the course than in the German course. And that makes sense because, yeah, there are Germans who don't speak English. But if you're interested in programming, that aren't that many, to be honest. Most people there can speak English and mm. uh, at least good enough to understand what you're saying. And it, so I think it's a growing market. I think that these local markets like German or Spanish for Brazil and so on, but that's Portuguese, but mm -hmm. still these markets are getting more and more important as Udemy is growing. But right now it's still English is kind of the biggest audience you can gain. Yeah. Yeah. So when let's go back to your first couple of courses that you created, what um, was your strategy in terms of actually creating the course what equipment were you using and how did you even know how to start teaching or how to structure your course or even teach online <laughs> yeah good question um I, I had a youtube channel before uh where i tried out some things where i tested my equipment and saw what worked and what didn't work and regarding the structure and so on i I learned development on my own, right? So I'm a self-taught developer, and that is why I always had kind of a, some knowledge what, what what I would need if I were to learn something new. And that is what I try to give back in the courses or to use in the courses that I try to structure it in a way that you learn the best and not necessarily in a way that you would find in any book where you start at variables and then move your way up to other things so that you really are able to follow along smoothly and 
yeah, that is what I always tried. And then what I validated on YouTube to see if it worked there. And then I tried it on Udemy. Nice. So how long were you on YouTube before your first Udemy course? <laughs> Actually, only two months, but it uh, was a nice time span to test out, to test some things and the equipment. Nice, nice. And so in terms of uh, specific equipment, uh, what types of um, camera or screencasting or microphone are you using? Um, I'm using the Rode Procaster microphone. That's I tried a couple of ones, but that's one with which I'm pretty happy, which doesn't require that much setup too. So you don't have to be an expert and kind of configure it 10 hours to get a solid sound quality. And then I have a yeah normal 500-ish camera camcorder to record my face. So just for my courses, I always have my, my picture in the courses. So that is something I use there. Therefore, I sit in front of a green screen to edit out the green background so that I really just have uh, my yeah my head there, yeah. you could say. And then capturing the screen with, with ScreenFlow on Mac and cutting and so on. The whole post-production happens in Adobe Premiere and uh, After Effects. Oh, got it. So you um, record with ScreenFlow and then do you, you export it before yeah. bringing into Premiere Pro to edit. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. So yeah, I noticed I actually was checking out your YouTube channel and I saw that um, you have some lessons from your courses and you're there in the bottom corner of your videos, which yeah. I think is a cool style. Have you, I've tried that before and I've gotten positive and negative feedback. I think it depends on how you do it and it, you have to kind of be careful about making sure you're paying attention to the camera so it's not like, yeah awkward have you gotten positive uh, or negative feedback about that yeah i, I definitely got both um mostly positive mm -hmm. so that that's why i kind of st uh, yeah still use it but um yeah there are of course people who kind of feel distracted or who uh, got a feeling that yeah they just see you typing right and that is what you meant right if you don't keep keep watching in the camera or don't uh, keep talking to the audience not uh, have w look in the camera then that it really is awkward but yeah i try to get the balance right and in post-production i actually also fade out my my head if there's a longer mm. period where i don't look into the camera at all so that's how i try to balance that nice that's a mistake i made early on was i had some videos like that but i just left my camera on the whole video and I was yeah. just like looking down at this keyboard and talking yeah. so that's a good tip uh, okay so that's your equipment and you've created a bunch of courses uh, but how do you go about actually coming up with the topics for your courses or say for your next courses that you're planning to teach what are you uh, doing to come up with those topics um, uh, well it's a multi-step process um, I generally as, as I still work as a web developer I kind of get a feeling for which topics are hot and, and which are coming. But then it's also some some research on Udemy. So checking out the other instructors, seeing which courses already exist, and if there are courses, which quality they have, if they leave something out, which I might cover. And also Google Trends is, is very important, actually, mm. to, to kind of check out which topics are coming or growing in demand. And yeah, this market research part is really important. So that is how I approach it in general. Nice. Yeah. Google Trends is actually something no one's brought up on this podcast yet. What um, can you just explain quickly what that is and how you how you use yeah, it sure. to the listeners? 
Yeah, Google Trends is a tool by, by Google, which allows you for free to kind of see how how in-demand uh, search queries on Google are. You don't see absolute numbers, but you can compare them with each other and you see a graph which shows you if it's uh, increasing in demand or decreasing and how it compares to other topics. And for example, for Angular 2, my first course, I simply entered Angular 2 and compared it to React.js, which is a strong competitor, or to Angular 1. And what I saw is that it was hugely gaining importance, that really that the demand was spiking. And that kind of was a good indicator that this might be interesting. And this is generally what I try to, to check out and to validate if a topic is in demand or if I'm the only one who's interested in it. Yeah, right. That's that's super important. And I think if you're if you do end up enjoying creating online courses, it is important to validate your topic to yeah. Uh, make sure that, it, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to do this full time, you're going to have to make money from it. So you kind of got to make sure that there is an audience for it. Um, unless you can just do it for fun, then you could teach on whatever sure, you want. Sure. But um, cool. So that's how you get your topics. And then once you have a topic, what's your process for like outlining it or or coming up with what you're going to teach in the course? Um, I... It, of course, depends on the course. If it's a big, I cover everything course, then I try to start obviously at the basics, but I try to jump early into first projects so that people really have to practice the things that you can't just sit there and watch, but that you really are encouraged to to practice it. And then, of course, that you gradually build up on this and get more and more complex, dive into more complex topics. If it's a more advanced course, which already requires you to have some basic knowledge, you can, of course, skip this. But then I still try to bring in some refreshers and always, yeah, kind of have a little bit of entertainment at such courses too, right? Because you learn better if you are entertained, if you enjoy watching the course and not just see me type and type along and then you're done after six hours. And that is what I try to mix up entertainment and and knowledge and do something. Nice. What I mean, can you give me an example of what kind of things you'll do to make your classes more fun? Well, one one thing as dumb as my as it might sound, but um, doing a joke from time to time, or if you have a practice or an example in the course, maybe pick a real life example which has kind of a funny twist or. Yeah, you don't have to try hard to do so, but but just a little bit to, to mix it up and to make it a little bit more realistic and funny. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's so important. A couple of my favorite YouTubers who I before I created my online courses, I followed um Evan Abrams and Mikey mm-hmm. I forget his last name, but they teach After Effects on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they are just they they have like this comedy side of them, and yeah. it just makes watching the tutorials more fun. So that's a I think that's a good tip, just to yeah make your cl- courses more engaging for students and make it more enjoyable. We obviously want good reviews, so um, that's probably going to help. So yeah, you got your courses, you got your to- your topics. Uh, that's kind of how you create your course content. Um, for your first course, you said you had been on YouTube for a little while, um, but did you have any other audience besides that? Did you have a website or anything else? Um, n- not that much, to be honest, because, yeah, I did work as a web developer, but the people I worked with there 
didn't need that much training. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a big audience. The, the YouTube channel was quite successful from the beginning, though, because I started there with Angular 2, which, again, really was in demand and not covered that well. But that was it. That was my initial audience. So not that many, but enough to have a little bit of an initial push, at least. And yeah, and get how started. Did, how did you use that audience when you launched your first course? Did you post videos on YouTube yeah. or... or yeah, I already had a couple of videos on the topic Angular 2 on YouTube. And then when I released the Udemy course, I released a special video where I kind of thanked my audience, the first thousand subscribers, better than nothing. And yeah, I kind of also invited them into the course, gave them a coupon, of course, and yeah, tried to promote the course there. And that were my first, that, that went really well. I think that were my first 500 uh, students I gained there in three days. So that was a lot for a brand new instructor. Wow. And what do you think that was mostly from your audience on YouTube? Or was it a combination? Or did you also start to see students coming from Udemy as well? I, I also saw other students, but that really was the YouTube audience. So wow. I really, yeah, hit hit the niche there. Yeah, really. Well, that's really cool because I also hear um, one myth, I'll call it, is that YouTubers, people who watch YouTube videos aren't going to want to pay for online courses um, because there's so much free content out there. But yeah. I think, you know, you proved it wrong. And I, I've seen other instructors who have done the same. And even with my courses, I've gotten a lot of sales through my YouTube audience. Um, so again, for people listening, YouTube is one of the best ways to grow an audience. There are people already looking for video content, for how-to videos on everything in the world. So it's a great yeah. place to build your, your own audience. Cool. So you got that initial tra traction. So, so you must have been like, wow, this is like real. <laughs> this, yeah. this isn't fake. Uh, did you just like think, okay, well, I'm just going to start creating more courses now? Yeah, actually, yes. Um, I, I did have a plan to do so anyways, but that went way better than, than, I, than I expected. So uh, definitely gave me that extra motivation to continue creating courses. And yeah, since, since that day or since that month, that was in February last year, I continue producing courses. I also continue producing videos for YouTube because, as you said, it really is an important revenue channel or not just a revenue channel. It's also great to test out things there and yeah, I also enjoy doing that there because you're a bit more free on what you're covering. But yeah, since then, I continued creating those courses. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to fast track your success, get the free seven step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. I noticed about your YouTube channel, you're posting new videos all the time, a few per week. And some yeah. of your most popular videos are where you've actually taken complete sections of your full course and you put it onto YouTube as one long video. Um, how are you coming up with topics for, for YouTube? Are, they, are you posting the same videos from your course on YouTube all the time or is it different? Are you just like, doing completely different you said it's a great place for testing but like how do you actually come up with topics uh, for YouTube yeah. videos uh, actually these are completely different videos so I rarely take videos from Udemy as you mentioned those bigger videos are from Udemy courses but all the regular videos are completely different we just recorded for YouTube and either I create spin-offs of my courses or like light 
courses so newly recorded but not is so in depth but like let's say one hour instead of a 12 hour course um or i cover topics which probably wouldn't work on udemy because other instructors already covered them or i don't see that big of a market but i personally enjoy creating content on that and creating content always allows you to practice it as well right so that is also my personal yeah play playground you could say yeah totally well you you have over 30,000 subscribers and in, in about what sounds like a little over a year yeah. um that's just amazing and part of it's just getting the right topic at the right time but are you doing anything else on with your youtube videos to promote them or to like in terms of like coming up with course titles and descriptions or tagging do you have any methods for trying to get more views on your videos uh, that's actually where I can get uh, much, much better. Um, I, I don't do that much yet. Uh, I, I try to improve on my thumbnails, which are really not the greatest. And uh, yeah, there, there is so much to improve, actually. So um, the one thing I did at the beginning was I, I did some advertising, so Google AdWords to to um, get some initial views and get some initial um yeah people following the channel but besides that really not that much got it got it cool and so i'm looking at your facebook page now and i'm seeing um some of your posts have a lot of likes are you um doing a little any promotion or advertising of your facebook posts from your page uh, really yeah yeah, I, I did do that from time to time, but not that often. And I don't use Facebook that much nowadays, I have to say, because it's um, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I personally don't use it and it didn't really pay off. You could say it's mm -hmm. not generating that much revenue or follow us even. Yeah. OK. What about your website um, that you have now, which yeah. does have your your courses are are you seeing any uh, conversion from your website? Yeah, yeah, that that's working out. Most people are probably coming there from YouTube, so mm -hmm. they could have already bought it because uh, course is also listed in the video description there. But I, I do see that I generate some sales through the website, so yeah, that's definitely an important part. Got it. Got it. So what's a, like a typical day like for you now that you're doing this um, mostly full time, like? When you, when you, how do you plan out your week or your days uh, and how do you balance creating content for YouTube versus yeah. Udemy versus whatever else you do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's act, actually pretty packed. Um, but uh, the, the general strategy is I, I either have weeks where I focus on courses, where I record videos, cut them either for YouTube or for Udemy um, or for Pluralsight. I also work there. Mm. Um or I do have weeks where I focus more on, well, planning courses, structuring them, creating materials for courses. And obviously, very important for development courses, I, I have to create all the code and test it. And oftentimes you also build something and then you see, nah, that's not really going to work. That's way too complicated or not complex enough. So that also takes up a significant amount of time. And I try to merge it, but most of the time I end up uh, with weeks focused on either recording or planning. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I can imagine with coding that, yeah, you got to test a lot of stuff before you even can 
teach it yeah. because you got to make sure that it, it works properly. <laughs> so that, it better does. Yeah, yeah, better. So you mentioned Plural Site. I've heard of that, but I don't really know what it what that is. Is that another course marketplace? Um, yeah, it's it's a course marketplace uh, focused on developing, but but I think they also are kind of expanding. So you do find After Effects tutorials there too, for example. And they are targeting more um, professionals, so not really, um, yeah, they don't sell courses for $10 there. They they have a subscription model and are targeted more for big companies. And therefore, the courses there also differ quite a bit from Udemy courses. You also have a review process there, which you have to go through for each course. Mm. So it's a bit more professional, you could say, but that also, of course, means that you have less control than you do have on Udemy, so it has pros and cons. And so, did you put your did you try to put your courses that are on Udemy on Pluralsight after you created them for Udemy? Um, that's actually not allowed because Pluralsight really mm-hmm. just wants exclusive material. So they also have a curriculum editor which kind of plans the curriculum for the whole web page. So you can't just say, "Hey, here's my Angular two course, please publish it." Instead, they have a. It's a totally different process where you really work very closely together with them. Got it. And uh, so that's this is really interesting, though, um, just because people are always interested in multiple streams of revenue. Do you have to? um, You said there's a review process, but do you have to kind of come up with a topic and get a topic approved by them before creating the course? Yeah, exactly. That either they approach you with with an example, and then they want you to hand in a proposal where you outline the structure and what you're going to cover, how long it's going to be, or you create such a proposal on your own and just hand it in because you see that something is missing or that you could cover some topic which you don't have already. They also try to not have two courses on the same topic, so you won't see two iOS courses there, or at least not two gen- general ones. Um, and that is how that works there. So much more planned and structured and with a little less freedom for you. Got it. So what courses of our, of yours do you have on there? Um, I do have uh, quite a lot of, uh, or four soon, uh, Laravel courses there. That's a PHP framework. Um, yeah, that, that's all I do have there because courses there also take a lot longer due to that review process and so on. Got it. Are there any other platforms you're thinking or have you put your courses on any other platforms no no these are the uh, plural side udemy and youtube are the only platforms i am working for right now got it got it cool cool so you've been doing this for a year now and like you you it seems like you had a lot of a big start on youtube but if you were going to start over again and um I don't know if you could kind of give advice for someone who might not not have a programming course, but really just any course. Where would you start from if you had to start from scratch in terms of creating a course or building an audience to to promote that course to? Yeah, the first important step, of course, we, we talked about that already, but is picking a right topic. So really screening the market and, and seeing what might be a good topic which has demand but isn't covered in depth right now. And then to get started, I really can recommend YouTube. But if you don't want to do that, or of course you can't set up a channel and have thousand people the next day, then I would consider paying ad- advertisement, either Google or or, or on Facebook, um, posting it on your LinkedIn page to your professional network if that might be interesting to people there. To really utilize all the channels you have, all the 
all, all your Facebook presence, whatever you have, really utilize that. Yeah. And also very important, and that's super important for every course you're creating, not just for the first one, but get in some some friends of you who give that course some initial reputation, some some reviews that is actually something which might sound strange, but it really helps. And it's not that I'm saying you should enter or get like 20 people in there spamming the course with five-star reviews, but but getting a few friends to help is, is a good idea. Yeah, you really do need reviews in your class. I mean, just if you search for any topic on Udemy and you go through the first page of results, they all have good reviews. And if you go to yeah. the last page of results, it's going to be the courses that don't have any reviews or, or yeah. that have bad reviews. So it is kind of like a, when you're getting started, you got to do whatever you can do ethically and legally to get good yeah. some reviews in your class. Um, so, you know, giving away some coupons to specific people. Um, I'm not, I think a long time ago on Udemy, it was sort of a strategy to just give out a bunch of free coupons to everyone. But that strategy has kind of changed to you, you really got to be more, more focused on with who you give your coupons to and finding groups on Facebook or even on giving a fruit a few review copies to your youtube channel or something might might work for people yeah um cool so what what are your plans for the next uh few years with your courses you've had a lot of success so far but um do you have a bunch of courses that you're planning on creating now yeah sure a couple of course ideas and i also got a colleague who's who will join me so that we can also dive into some new topics and kind of split up some work that you don't have to cut your own course or at least not to do all the post-production on your own. And so that's really something I want to do. So use that um, revenue, which I gain to to also grow the business and, and try to broaden the the amount of courses, the, the topics I cover too. So that is the strategy for the next years. So that's really cool. Are you planning on paying the co-instructor up front or splitting revenue with them? Um, he will be an employee for, for my company basically at the beginning, but then we will also kind of do this only for a transition phase. But um, the, the goal then is to do courses together, either visibly that you are, are there and do certain sections or like on the uh, load that you help cut in the post-production and so on and then we would split the revenue um, but probably would also merge it in one single company in the end got it got it cool so you um did you have your company before this year uh, or did you create yeah. a company from scratch for your courses and everything uh, i did yeah i did already have one because i already worked as a freelance web developer um so i, I used that company for that but um yeah due due to the change in, in focus and that I don't work as a freelancer anymore, but instead now we'll have a colleague. We will also change this company structure behind the scenes to be better prepared for the future. Got it. Is there anything that um, German instructors or instructors outside of the U.S. need to know about with teaching on Udemy? Were, th were there any hoops that you had to jump through or anything? Um, I know like the taxes are different in, in Europe, but I think Udemy kind of takes care of that. But is there anything yeah. that that was different for you that you know of? 
It, it's complicated at the beginning. Uh, you should you should try to find uh, um, an accountant who, who who knows these kind of businesses, who knows how to handle, for example, Google or YouTube AdSense. That's the same revenue kind if, if you're doing a YouTube channel um, in Germany. So that's treated equally. So someone who's kind of familiar with these business models. Uh, and then it should be a problem. So that is what what I did too. I tried to find someone who knows these kind of business models. And then it's not that complicated. As you say, Udemy takes care about the VAT, for example. But um, yeah, still some some things to to make sure you're not getting trouble with the uh, revenue service uh, later. Yeah, that's true. And I think um, if you're serious about this and you do start to make uh, a little bit, uh, some decent money from courses, it's worth it to find an accountant who can help you set up a yeah. business. A lot of people haven't set up an actual business but i know just in the united states there's different formats for businesses but some save you so much money uh in in taxes and in the way that you structure it and that's something that i did uh for a long time i was trying to figure out everything on my own but i was always like oh well i don't want to pay an accountant to do it but i did and he's saving me so much money now so that's yeah you know, important for people to, to understand and to understand that you have to pay taxes on all of this income. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Actually, one thing before we uh, wrap up, you mentioned ads. I think you mentioned them on YouTube, doing yeah. ads on YouTube for your videos. Um, is Do you have any strategy for what videos to put ads or to promote or how you do that for people? Um. Certainly not the super expert on this, but um, what I try is, um, yeah, as as on Udemy, try to find some videos which either cover a niche, cover something which is not covered a thousand times on YouTube already, but also, and that might sound kind of contrary, but try to find something or to advertise something which is not totally new where you're the only one because ads are also going to place going to get placed next to other videos which are kind of related to yours so you want to find this sweet spot between other people are covering it so people watching another video might go to your video next but um, there are thousands of videos so that your videos again not getting watched watched and also you have to in for Google that's or for YouTube advertisement that's the same as for Google you have to bid on your ads so if you're advertising something which is super popular you probably won't get that many views because you're paying a lot per view so that is something you have to balance out too yeah yeah and with your YouTube videos are you doing anything how are you actually getting someone to buy the course from there are you using just linking out in the description in the video itself are you talking about your courses or using any of the other tools that YouTube gives us yeah, or what? a mixture I do have a link in every um, video description but not a link to every course but to courses which are kind of related to the YouTube video and then from time to time I also mention it like saying yeah and if you want to dive deeper or if that's super interesting to you then you may have a look at the video description because hey I got a coupon there giving you that course for only ten dollars um, which to people who have never been on Udemy does sound super great because I $180 course for $10, that's obviously a good deal. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I try to advertise that. That brings up another question I have for you. So with your pricing, I see on Udemy, your prices are between $100 and $200. Uh, are you, how are you pricing your promotions? 
um, on YouTube or or now when you promote a new course to your existing audience, what what's your pricing or launch kind of strategy? Um, the yeah, it's a good question. The the initial price when I launch a course is very very low, somewhere between ten, which is the lowest you can go, and uh, fifteen dollars, um, because you really want to get that initial push, or at least I I do. You want to get a lot of people into the course, and then. I typically pick a price which I almost never again offer so that I can also sell it under this proposition that I say, hey, this is the uh, early bird special. You're almost never going to get it for the same price again. I'm saying almost because Udemy has some promotions too, like Black Friday, where they're giving away the courses for $10, which is great for instructors revenue-wise, but you can't say, hey, I'm not giving the course away for $10 if Udemy does. Um, right. But, but also, you don't want to offer your course all the time for $10. So, yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good strategy about making it clear that you aren't going to promote your course for lower than this in the future. Uh, you yeah. know, this is the early bird special. And the thing that's going to make it work is if you stick to it and you don't yeah. then start promoting your course for cheaper because um, then people are going to lose faith in you but uh yeah so okay really cool really cool cool so my last question is say i'm a new online or i haven't taught an online course ever before and i'm kind of hesitant about it i don't know if i'll be good at it i don't know if there's an audience for me what what do you tell me to encourage me to create online courses the the first thing i definitely can only recommend is try it out on youtube Nothing can go wrong there. You can get up a few ba- a few bad reviews, but or thumbs down. But that's not the end of the world. And then in the end, simply try it on Udemy. Um, you're never going to find out if you don't try it. But what can go wrong there? People are not going to like it. And even if that happens, your next course can be better. And people are not going to search your name to see if you have a bad course if your next course is good. So um, that's really something. Yeah, simply try it out. And of course, also have a quick look at the successful instructors. You don't have to copy them, but just to get an idea uh, on how they approach it. And yeah, Udemy, I think right now also has a lot of great resources to get you started. So going through them is also a good idea, I guess, to to see how to give students a quick win at the beginning, to to get get them engaged quickly, some best practices, which are best practices for a reason. And then it's simply about trying it out and not over-engineering it. Um, the next course is always going to be better than the first one, but uh, it's never going to happen if you never have that first one. Perfect. I, I think that's great encouragement for people who want to create their first course. So, Maximilian, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you online if they want to find out more information about you or your courses? Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's at MaxedApps. Um, you can find me on YouTube, of course. That's my Mindspace channel there. Um, same address on Facebook. And I do have a website. Um, that's pretty complicated to spell, I guess. <laughs> but you can find a link on YouTube to it, too. Um, it's, it's my German name. I'm working on a new one, but it's not finished yet. But yeah. yeah. Uh, stick with the German name. I'll, I'll link to everything on the course <laughs> or on the website for the podcast, on the blog, and at onlinecoursemasters.com, and people can get connected with you. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show, awesome. and uh, best of luck with your courses in the next year and in the future. Same to you. Thank you very much for inviting me on the show. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, there's no better way to learn how to create and sell online courses than heading over to onlinecoursemasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take one extra minute of your time. Thanks, have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next week on the next episode.